everyone. Welcome back to another episode of But Why Love the Podcast. And today we have a special interview with writer and director of Dead Detectives, Tony West. Before we get started, I want to tell you a little bit about the film. Dead Detectives follows a team of hapless paranormal investigators on a reality TV series who go on a quest to Mexico's most haunted house in pursuit of better ratings. However, when the true dark secrets of the mansion begin to reveal themselves, the hapless presenters quickly discover that the house is no hoax with zero ghost hunting skills or really any applicable skills the team has to figure out how to bust the ghost and escape the house with their lives as always enjoy the show cool um well we can jump right into it i'm sure you have a lot to do today on this nice nice saturday so my first question is really what inspired detectives and is it because you were a fan of ghost hunting yourself or oh absolutely um growing up you know like every single child of the 80s i was a huge fan of ghostbusters and just followed that franchise all the way through any movie that came out that was sort of in that genre i just had an affinity for um all the way through peter jackson's the frighteners in the 90s and it certainly came from the very first cartoon I fell in love with, which was Scooby-Doo. I was just this tremendous Scooby-Doo fan growing up. My grandparents used to buy me these little Fisher-Price records. So Scooby-Doo used to do these like little record stories, not just the cartoon, but these little plays like on record with this full audio cast and great sound effects. And I would just listen, listen to those in my bedroom with these great sort of spooky, spooky sound effects and cues. And without question, that was my inspiration for storytelling and just sort of creating my own shots in my head as I was listening to those Scooby-Doo records and all of that. And it just <laughs> stuck with me all these years. And what what elements, because I mean, uh, you say Frighteners, and that was actually something that immediately popped into my mind when I was watching Detectives um, with some of the ghost, uh, ghost imagery. Um, what elements of kind of that love for the genre, what did, what did you bring in, what did you know you had to bring into Detectives? Certainly. You know, you know, one of my favorite things growing up with, with the horror genre in general is I, I I'm admittedly grew up a, a wimp to the genre. <laughs> I, I Whatever that dose or that gene of the suspension of disbelief that we have to have to just buy into a movie full throttle, I have like a triple dose of that. The, very, <laughs> the, the, the first two times that my parents, and this is a little bit about their parental choices, ever took me to the movies. I was very young. And within 15 minutes of both films, I was screaming, terrified, and they had to take me out of the theater. And they weren't taking me to, like, these elaborate horror films. The second one was actually E.T. Oh, uh, gosh. That, <laughs> that was too intense for me growing up. So I just have always had this this very sort of, like, standoffish approach to the genre. You know, whenever I approach horror fans, they're like, didn't you grow up watching this and this? And I'm like, I was trying to get through that episode of Scooby-Doo. Uh, with my- <laughs> so just knowing all of that, I kind of approach it from this this angle of, of twofold, you know, one, this accessibility into the genre, because I know we have these hardcore genre fans, but I, I looked at it like, I really want to make a fun horror movie that will have the kind of tropes that true horror fans will really appreciate, but also has that accessibility for people who may not watch horror all the time. And my love for the paranormal sort of genre of these filmmakings, I, I just really personally, you know, what I what I felt I could really bring to the table is sort of a modern twist to that, with that sort of cynicism that we have today, where we're fabricating so many things on reality television, where we're not even sure what to believe in or what's real anymore. And I was just really enamored with just following a group of characters whose entire career is based off of conning people, gullible people, if you will, into believing their places are haunted. 
further ratings on their show. And just to sort of follow that and watch them in, in many ways get a dose of their own medicine and flip that script on them and see how they respond, it really intrigued. One of the things that I really like about horror movies, ghost movies, is uh, essentially establishing rules, right? Establishing rules that the location works by, that the ghost works by. How did you kind of establish the rules of your world once, uh, once the, uh, the dead detectives crew gets into the house in Mexico? Absolutely. That's the most fun part of it. I think he came from, you know, I think I think all of us who watch horror films and, and any film really that has sort of a suspense or thrill where characters are in danger, you always have this moment. I do, at least in the middle. Where I'm like, why are they still doing this? Why are they not <laughs> leaving? And, and without question, the first thing in my head, if, I'm, if, if I want to do a haunted house movie, I, I absolutely cannot have a moment in the film where they can just walk out that front door. So from that notion, I knew I really wanted to trap this group in the house and force them to sort of go through this experience they had to go through. And that's when I started delving into just just reading, getting my hands off of everything I possibly can. There's so many folklores and so many legends and just sort of taking the bits and pieces from those and just having a lot of fun with it. So it really came more from folklore and legends that I really appreciate that I'm sure inspired so many other horror films and, and supernatural films. It really came from that piece together, something that just really intrigued me for this world. That's really great to hear because there's a line that one of the uh, the one of the Mexican ghosts in the house says, mis hijos. And I was like, wait, is that a reference to La Llorona? I feel like that's a reference to La Llorona. No question. No question. Cucuy, La Llorona, the, without question. Those are those are some of my favorites that I dove into. Yeah. So I'm I'm Mexican-American myself. So I was watching this and I was like, oh, wow, there's actually a lot in here. And I have to ask, why Mexico? Like, what may, is it, was it just the folklore angle or did you, was there something about not doing it in the U.S. that you really wanted to capture? Absolutely. Um, you know, when, when it first came up with this idea, my, my, like I'm talking like at the outline stage, the inclination was immediately, I'm from the Southeast United States. So, and that's, there's so many like that Southern Gothic horror yeah. stories that all the time. And I think my initial inclination was, oh yeah, it'll be set somewhere in Georgia or Louisiana. It'll be great. And we'll do the full trope of that. But it occurred to me, you know, obviously when you're doing a movie that, that in a lot of ways is, is not necessarily spoofing, but certainly parroting um, a lot of these, these types of films. I didn't want to go too far with the tropes setting. I wanted to see something that was really unique. And I have so many friends and filmmakers that just talking to the idea that are from Mexico and just talking to them initially about the idea and hearing the conversations about how sort of how much supernatural and, 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 you know, superstitions play into the culture really intrigued me. And right away I thought, hey, I haven't seen that. I definitely wanted to diversify the film, you know, and I definitely wanted to try to create a unique world that we really haven't seen before. And going off that too, like I actually really identified with Javier's character. You know, he doesn't want to speak Spanish. He doesn't want to be the token Latino in the room to get the ratings. He just wants to be his own character. What what inspired that? A lot of that, you know, I, I like the idea of this character who didn't want to, just did not want to dance for anybody. That's yeah. the best way. Just this guy, you know, he was his own self-made individual. Sort of the backstory of this character, you know, he he. he was originally from Mexico, I'd come to the United States, and he's like, I, I just met a lot of people who, just having conversations with friends and, and, and family members even, and things like that, who, you know, like to just be, like, I'm, I'm, I'm American, I've, I've grown up in the United States, I have a culture just like so many other people do who are from different countries around the world, but I'm still American, I've lived here, and I think he identifies with that portion mm -hmm. of who he is, at least currently, and, and you know, and, and brushes against that until later in the movie where I think he allows some of his vulnerabilities and a little bit more of the truth of who he is come out. Yeah, and it was, it was beautifully done, honestly, and, that, and that's something that's hard to do. 
um, especially to come across in uh, in in a movie with a lot going on. So I definitely applaud you on that. Like Javier was probably one of my favorite parts of the film, character wise. So thank you for bringing that into my life because I also feel like if I was a ghost hunter, I would be like him. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, he, he, for me, and this is, you know, I, I'll say this sort of quietly, he's kind of my favorite character in the movie. I, 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 should, I should be careful when I say that because he, <laughs> he's that person just without that filter who's just brutal honesty of, and, and sarcasm about everything. And I just really appreciate people who can go through life with just a sort of just bluntness of what they want and what they think. And I really appreciate, it, appreciate that about his character. And of course, Jose Maria de Tavira, who performance without question elevated that to a completely new level it was so good like he jumped from there were serious moments and there were just pure comedy but it was also like dry comedy and i'm sorry i can go on about javier all day i fell in love with him (laughs) um but uh beyond that i do want to ask when you were mapping out the characters did you put because i mean because they all talk they how do you say this? They all deal with the supernatural and the paranormal and the possibility of it being real differently. Um, are there any of them that you kind of put a little bit of yourself into? Certainly. Without, I think, you know, the, the, the three sort of main uh, ghost hunters, Sam, Lloyd, and Javier, I, without question, I think there's some sort of triumvirate on my own personality. I think I grew up very much like Lloyd with this <laughs> Just tremendous belief, you know. I, I think it was a big moment in my life in my early twenties when I when I made it walking down um, a dark hallway at night without being petrified. You know? <laughs> and, and I feel like that's Lloyd. Just Lloyd never outgrew that. And Sam is sort of this, in a way, a, a jaded sort of cynicism of this is all BS. Uh, this is, you know, it's all about the ratings, that, that, that sort of mentality, that I think, that permeates us where we sort of lose a little bit of that spirit and a little bit of that magic when we get older. and We forget that there's a happy balance between the two, you know, and, and I think I think I, I try to oscillate somewhere in between those two since they're at very extreme ends of that spectrum. And so I know that this was your first feature uh, feature length film. What were some of the challenges that you kind of went through making a feature that's different than when you were making shorts? Stamina. (laughs) Everybody says that. No, you know, and you know, I remember everybody saying, you know, for a first film, this is a lot of elements, and and but but it was fantastic. I I I just feel so blessed, and this isn't a token answer in the least bit. I just was so fortunate to be surrounded by such a talented cast with Chris Gear, Marta Egarita, Jose Maria de Tavira, David Newman, Tina Ila, Ila, Mark Riley. Just everyone was such pros and so bought into. The, you know, the uniqueness of their characters. But, but I guess the best way I could put it is everybody on board the film really quickly all sort of found their way to where everyone is in the same movie. And by that, I mean, it's a, it's a horror comedy and it could easily slant too far in either directions. And I felt like it was a tightrope tonally. And I just was so fortunate to work with such a great cast and a great crew across the board who just bought into the film, bought into the tone we were going for and really made it smooth sailing. I mean, it really was. It was absolutely hard. We were doing way too much with way too little money and way too little time. But that's most indie films. But the people that I was surrounded with, it just it was just unreal. And I'm still trying to search and find that like horrible moment in the film. But it didn't really have it. It was just a great experience from beginning to end. That's amazing to hear. And I and I can tell you 100% as a viewer and as a lover of the horror genre and especially the paranormal genre, it, you knocked it out of the park. Um. <laughs> it's very kind of you to say. Really appreciate that. Um, so one of the other things I want to ask too is of course, um, what was your favorite scene to write and then direct if they were different? Oh, that's great. Um, I actually really do have one. I, I think, 
I love, you know, uh, there were so many scenes and sort of maybe some of the bigger spectacle moments of the film that were a lot of fun. But when you're shooting those, there's so many different things going on and so many different pieces. And a lot of those scenes where people are sort of flying in and out of windows, you're shooting that in just such a technical way. I think one of the scenes, the scene that I personally had the most fun with, it was sort of the quietest day on set, was a scene with a Lloyd character. In the first half of the film, he's down in the basement by himself. And he accidentally steps on this foot pedal that's a, that's one of Bob's special effects and shoots himself with blood in the face and then goes on to just him and his recording device hearing some whisperings in the room. And it's the first time his, uh, his EMF reader, his, one of his pieces of equipment, comes to life on its own and sort of recognizes these blood words on the wall. And that was just a fascinating scene, just myself. One actor, just a bare set, no special effects or anything really like that. And I had a lot of fun with that. I had a lot of fun just with, with the actor, just with David Newman, who just was so fantastic in that scene. It's just him by himself with like eight different gadgets going on at the same time. And we just had a blast making that scene. Speaking of gadgets, that was actually one of the most interesting pieces of the film because they come in with, you know, uh, Lloyd brings in all these different pieces and then slowly you start to realize, oh, these gadgets actually work. Um, what went into kind of designing them and designing the look from within them, uh, like the ghost goggles? Absolutely. Carlos Lagunas, our production designer, just I'm, I'm indebted to him. Um, I came in with my little crude sketches that, you know, I, I basically can draw stick figures with circles on them and with, with, with like a thousand labels of what I wanted these things to look like. But we both very quickly knew that we wanted to sort of base these on twofold sort of, the, you know, they definitely have a steampunk influence and certainly an influence of maybe some of the some of the archaic elements you know, real, real people, ghost hunters, if you look at some of the folklore of like people really bought into this and tried to do this for real, they sort of have been developing these gadgets since, since really the late 1800s of what you do. We sort of found some old sketches of those and based it off of, but the one rule we really set it by was we really wanted to make sure that all these gadgets were built out of only the materials that would be readily available to someone like Lloyd. Things that he would find in maybe like a retro 1980s, 1990s Radio Shack, you know, that kind of thing where he's just piecing these little things together. Because I truly believe that, you know, he shoots this show, it's his brother on the show because he has to. And then at home, he's full throttle and, yeah. you know, everything he can to build these little gadgets and tinkering them in his own little way. So we just sort of took that and ran with it and had a blast. Um. So on top of that, too, kind of moving into more of the effects pieces, um, there was a lot of practical effects as well, which I loved. Like the makeup was superb. Um, and there was also special effects. Uh, how, or, uh, you know, CGI, d digital effects. How did you decide what would be practical and what would be digital? We truly tried to do every single thing we could do in that film practical. That, that we could. Obviously, there were some elements with, you know, even the fire. Even the fire that shoots out of, like, the fireplace and things like that. That was all practical. We oh, wow. Yeah, we had the best special effects team down there, real pros, real safe, a lot of experience, and everything that we could do for two two reasons. One, it's just that we I have this these amazing actors at my disposal who have such a such a terrific comedic background, and to just give them almost like a live theater stage that they can play off of. That's really what it is when you have these practical effects. Obviously, I love the look more. It feels more organic. You're, you know, everything feels a little bit more natural and real. And also you get these just genuine reactions. And I know there's pros that they can react to, to CGI and things of that nature, but when you can do it for real and it's there and chairs are really flying across the room and fires coming out of a fireplace, it really 
makes us all, especially the actors, feel like they're in a haunted house. And, and that's one of the reasons I loved it, uh, doing that. So our first rule of thumb is, can we do this practically? Can we afford to do this practically? Do we have the time to do this practically? And if they check all the boxes, uh, that's absolutely what we did. And all the uh, sort of, and so we saved the CGI for more of those elevated supernatural moments, like the, you know, the, the sort of the things that we saw outside the windows and these sort of portal of lights after characters die that were sort of beckoning them to walk into the light. We saved our CGI for those moments. That's awesome to hear. And that's actually something that I've, I really also drew me into detectives. Sometimes I feel like you lose characters and you lose depth, you know, the more CG you pile it on. And, and I, there's something like, I guess you said, like organic and just like inviting of seeing so much practical use. Like, I'm sorry. I feel like I just, I feel like I just wanted to interview so I could just tell you how much I loved your movie. I apologize if that's like all it sounds like. (laughs) No, it's, it's so kind to hear. It really is. Thank you. But so on top of that, too, there are um, there are so many elements of the film and, and you've kind of already talked about the things that inspired you. And and I know watching it as a viewer, I caught a lot of references for Ghostbusters, Scooby, uh, you know, Scooby-Doo pieces, like all of these things. Was there ever a moment where or, or was it hard to kind of balance a lot of the reference points that are in people's cultural memory? Um, while also maintaining your own your own style, and how did you do that? You know, we try not to over trope the film with too many obvious sort of tropes. By that I mean is there's a few moments where you're like, oh, I saw that in that specific movie, and we were aware. But I think one of the things that drew us to us is just you know we looked at a lot of um, I think the twofold, twofold really. We tried not to do too many tropes that came directly out of other comedies because they've already done it. They've already taken these tropes and sort of done a lot of their unique films. So, so some of the things that we, you know, when, when I was writing, we did a lot of research on was films like The Others that came out in the early 2000s, The Conjuring films. We, we sort of used those as sort of a guiding force to, of, of those sort of straight, fantastic horror films mm-hmm. and some of the common elements in those that we thought we can have a little bit of fun with. And the other thing when writing the script, we sort of set this ardent rule for ourselves to sort of balance that world of how we were gonna make this a comedy horror, but in some ways play it straight with these really eccentric characters. And the rule for us was, oh, the setting the world we're creating, this, this, this mansion down in Mexico, these spirits that, that reside within this house, they're in, the, they're in a real horror movie. This is a horror movie. Now let's take these really comically eccentric characters and place them inside this world and let's see how they respond to it. That's awesome. Um, so I really only have one final question and that's what's next? Because the ending of this film kind of leaves it open for a sequel. <laughs> I would just say very simply that the producers of this film and myself are dead set in continuing the story of the detectives without question. I really hope I get to see more of them. I've fallen in love with it and that is music to my ears. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that's really all I had. I mean, is there anything else you want to mention or, you know, why don't you tell people where they can find you um, plug anything you have? I mean, the, the number one thing that I'd love to plug first and foremost is right now the film is is premiered this past weekend and you can watch it on Shutter. And the whole reason that everyone involved in this film from the very beginning wanted to truly make this movie was so that audiences who watch it can have an absolute blast. That was our number one goal going in. And just to hear that people who are watching it right now are having a great time watching it, that means the world to us. And uh, we invite you to do the same. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tony. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Awesome.